African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, where you get the African perspective. You're with me, Benjamin Mushatama, this hour as usual. Uh, thank you for joining us. Well, today we are still on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa and on DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet streaming. You can go to our website. Uh, that is www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today we we're going to be looking at Rwanda, a very interesting co- country with so many contrasting things. And uh, one of the things that has been a, a very dark cloud over Rwanda, it is the government's attack on dissidents or people who are actually seen as playing a role of opposition in the country. Well, the latest case has been that of uh, uh, Diane Ruguara and her mother, Adeline Ruguara. Uh, just recently, this week, Rwandan prosecutors uh, uh, have said that they will appeal a high court ruling this week acquitting a government critic, Diane Ruguara, and her mother, Adeline Ruguara, for insurrection and forgery. Uh, media reports say the National Public Prosecution Authority would file an appeal in the appellate court seeking to re-examine evidence pinning the Ruguaras to possible wrongdoing. It is believed that the acquittal came after sustained pressure from rights groups and the international community who accused the government of cracking down on dissent and freedom of expression. The Ruguaras' release was seen as a sign of government yielding to pressure, but some observers argue that the court confirmed its own independence. Well, to help us on this, we've got two gents coming back into our studios, and it's a good way to actually end the program uh, in these last two weeks, uh, having guys that have been around in uh, shows before. We've got Professor Dominiki Awezeyimana, who is an associate professor at the School of Public Management and Public Policy at the University of Johannesburg. And uh, once again, one of our favorite guys, we've got Victor Homeswana, who is a political commentator and author of Africa is Open for Business. Well, let's start with you, Victor, because, you know, when we were discussing this particular program, it was interesting to notice that uh, we've been celebrating and hailing Rwanda as this developmental uh, country uh, with a great ICT reputation a good kind of business uh, reputation internationally. And then you have these issues that keep coming in and out in terms of the government's crackdown on opposition. Um, what are your thoughts around this and, and, and what do you make of that? Good morning once again. I, I'm glad that the courts were able to make a ruling because remember a successful country needs to have a very strong executive needs to have a strong legislative arm and it needs to have a strong judiciary and a strong media uh, contingent. Mm. So the perception or fact or otherwise that the legal, the judicial system of Rwanda was not independent and it was making decisions based on the pressure from the executive was not going to work in favor of a country that otherwise has done very well. 
do I know enough about Diane Regara? I don't know. I, I know what I read in the media. Sure. I go to Rwanda a lot, actually. I ask people about her. I get all kinds of different answers about whether or not the charges were justified. I was one of the people who were happy when she stood for elections, a 30-something-year-old, a woman mm. in a country that's got about the highest representation of women in legislative mm. assembly. I thought, well, here's an opportunity for a younger woman to challenge for power. I didn't think she would win, even if she had been allowed. I think Paul Kagame is just far too big a brand in Rwanda for anybody to win against him in an election. Mm. Whether you consider the elections free or fair or not, it doesn't matter. Sure. He's just that big a brand. But I'm glad that the courts were able to make a ruling. About the international pressure, you know what, there's always going to be an international pressure. Even in South Africa in the 60s, during mm. the trial of Mr. Mandela, there was international pressure. The courts are never going to operate in a vacuum, mm. but did they believe they had a case? I heard them saying the freedom of speech protects the rights of Diane to send a message to anybody and say this government is ruling by fear. I think that's fair. Freedom of speech is important. Mm. They said, well, the state did not prove beyond reasonable doubt mm that she was, her tax affairs were out of kilter. Again, that's another thing. If you accuse me of tax dodging or tax crimes, you have to prove beyond reasonable doubt. Mm -hmm. The burden of proof is on you as mm -hmm. the accuser. So for me, I believe that that's good for Rwanda. Mm -hmm. Do I believe it will quash the perception that Rwanda is anti-dissident? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, let me come to you, Prof, uh, in terms of your thoughts, because... The question in note here is the fact that we are seeing constant crackdown on opposition here. As much as uh, Victor does hail um, the government in terms of uh, its business acumen, but also the courts for actually having an independent decision in regards of this particular case, there seems to be a trend that we're seeing here in the Rwandan government whereby we do see a very uh, violent form of uh, a crackdown on uh, opposition in the country. Uh, thank you very much for the question. Uh, before I answer your question, sir, let me first start by giving you some facts regarding Diane Rwigara. I'm um, just to support what uh, my colleague Victor has said, uh, but also he clarified that he does not know very well uh, Diane Rwigara. So Diane Rwigara the, is, a, is a businesswoman, um, a human rights activist. Mm. Uh, she was obviously stopped from standing up as an independent candidate in 2017. And uh, well, she's a daughter of a, a prominent businessman, a hotel owner, a owner of tobacco companies, and as a, a, a financier of the RPF, the Rwandan the ruling party at the moment. Okay. So as a financier of the RPF, mm. obviously both Diane and uh, her father and her family, they know very well Paul Kagame. They are both from the same ethnic background. And uh, according to the information, the only thing that uh, probably, uh, one of the things that uh, led to uh, anger the Paul Kagame was that uh, the Uyghurs, being business tycoon in the country, might not have allowed the 
RPF and the Paul Kagame to have a shares in their company. And uh, for that, I think that was one of the biggest mistakes. But to put into a perspective all the facts, let's have a fact here in front of us. So if we know what happened uh, chronologically, we will understand really that uh, the issue of independence of courts and uh, the, uh, the freedom of any freedom you can th- uh, think of uh, really is questionable in the country. On the 4th February 20, uh, 2015, the father of Diana Rigara was killed mm. and uh, the family stands uh, to the point that they believe the Wandani government, specifically Paul Kagame, might have a hand in the killing of the father. Obviously, uh, the government say no, it was just an accident. Um, uh, 2015, the same year, Paul Kagame uh, changes the constitution. Paul Kagame has been a de facto president from 1994, uh, where as a vice president and a minister of defense, a chief of staff, and all of that, you are really in the decision-making position, even if you're not the, the, the president of the republic. In 2000, he became a de facto, de facto president. Mm. Two, from 2002 to uh, 2017, mm. almost, it's almost 24 years in the government. Mm. He changes the government in 2015. 2017, he stands again. He, oh, he for, changes the constitution. Yes, and then, and then he, will stand, he will be president for the next seven mm. years, mm. which are renewable two times. We need extra 10 years up until 2034. From 1994 up to 2034. So where is democracy in that kind of environment? Uh, that, 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 that's a questionable factor here. Now, what led to uh, Daniel Guigara's arrest? Now, obviously, as a presidential candidate, she was required to present some support as a list of 600 people who are, who are willing to support her. And she's, she submitted a list of around 900, 900 uh, uh, names mm. to the National Electoral Commission. Uh, some of them were uh, disqualified and then she went on, brought uh, 120, just about under 1,200. Th- mm. They double, double the number of the, 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 name, the names she's required to submit. Mm. She still was uh, disqualified anyway and uh, later on she did not give up. On the on the 14 of um, uh, 14th of June, mm. uh, she was uh, disqualified. But on the f- 14th July, mm. she did not want to give up. She started a the a, a, a movement, mm. you know, the Salvation People's Movement, mm. to keep campaigning. Her campaign was on human rights, on the issues affecting Rwanda, high levels of poverty, sure. inequalities. Uh, kidnapping, disappearance, mm-hmm. uh, lack of justice, and the, mm-hmm. all of th- th- those kind of things. Okay, I'm, I'm going to come back to that. I want us to take a quick break because mm-hmm. I think that's a good analysis in terms of contextualizing where yes. we are and the contrast yes, that we're you seeing me. in the Rwandan government. And when we come back, I'm going to bring in Charles uh, Nyokonge, who is uh, joining us as a senior researcher fellow at uh, the Institute of uh, Global Dialogue on the line. Let me take a quick break. Uh, we're going to get into this complex Kagame image uh, that we're speaking about right now and uh, look at uh, these uh, cases of people going missing, the arrests that have happened of opposition and the killings and disappearings of opposition figures here in Rwanda. Uh, But also, you know, when you look at Paul Kagame, he still, still enjoys an international 
support in some way and you ask yourselves questions around those contradictions in terms of international standards on who they stand for and who they're against in terms of even uh, strongmen who are in power as was alluded to by Professor Ewi Zeimana. Let me take a quick break and then we'll be back after this. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyenzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Well, time is flying into this particular program. It's already 20 minutes past 11. I don't think we've actually cemented where we want to go with this particular discussion. Today, we're looking at uh, Rwanda and the many claims of human rights violations, especially when you zoom into uh, this uh, case of uh, the critic Diane Rukwara, who has uh, recently uh, been acquitted uh, for critical views on the government, but also there have been claims that have been not really proven against her in the Rwandan courts. Um, well, let me bring in uh, Charles Nyokonge in terms of those contrasts that have been brought both by Victor and and and, and uh, Professor Dominique in our studio. Charles, let me get your thoughts in terms of those particular contrasts, especially the statement I made before our break in terms of uh, the fact that you know, Kagame is very complex in how he looks. I mean, just a few uh, weeks ago, he was in South Africa at this big global uh, initiative to raise funds for the poor, spoke very well, was celebrated. Uh, a lot of great quotes were taken from the media on what he had to say. And then you go back to his country and then there's that contrast in terms of how he deals with opposition. What are your thoughts here? Because when you look at also some of the history that we've seen, I mean, uh, another political figure like Boniface Twiki Rimana went missing uh, from prison some years back. We know that uh, uh, just in South Africa we've uh, had a former spy who was found strangled at the Michelangelo uh, Towers in Santon five years ago. Um, So there's not really much that you can say this is actually Paul Kagame who initiated these particular killings. But it is worrying when you look at the latest case right now, which does connect the government to their uh, resistance to opposition figures. Thank you very much, Benjamin. Uh, my take is that anyone who finds himself in a position such as Kagame um, would always have people who have something positive. Can think of several figures in history. There are people who have been defensive of Hitler. There are those who are critical of Hitler. There are people who have been defensive of Jesus Christ. There are people who are critical of Jesus Christ. If Reguara, if the, the conviction of Reguara was confirmed, we would still be in studio with people saying the judges actually are not independent. Today she has been she has been acquitted there are three people who say that this is just a facade. I think the point is simple. Reguara has been acquitted because the judges have said the evidence is not amounting to what would 
lead them to convict her. I think for her and for her family and her supporters, this is great news. And this indicates that indeed, indeed, the judges in, South, in, in, in Rwanda are independent. Especially for those who had for a long time said this was a political persecution, a political, a political process. And I think one thing which is also not being said is that a lot of those judges, between the, the years and, uh, 2009, and I don't know whether that argument can exist with several South African universities, came to South Africa to study here so as to, so as to strengthen their judicial system. And I think if we have to, in South Africa, celebrate the judiciary as one of those independent pillars, then we can already see the connection between the judicial system or the legal system of South Africa as it were, as, as imparted through the, the educational systems in, mm. in the law schools with, with, with this. And for me, I'm saying that I'm not looking at you know, the persona of Kagame. I'm saying that this is good news for, for Iguara. But if we even have to push to say the process by which Iguara was, was, uh, was arrested, which is what the gentleman who spoke who mm. before now has sure. what do you think which we can find on a... Uh, which we can find with it is if she submitted 900, 900 signatures to be eligible for for a, for a presidential election candidate and defaulted a certain number, if she was bringing additional numbers and, it, and she was time-barred, I think it only makes sense for us to see that if she was time-barred, then she was out of, she was out of the running. Mm. It doesn't matter that she was a lady and that, um, and that now there was someone rising who was going to challenge Kagame for whatever perceptions we have about, about Kagame. Mm. If she was time bad, she was time bad. And if she decides then to mobilize people, it is well within her right to mobilize people. But even in South Africa, if you are going to organize a protest march, you need approval. You should get the approval. Is it because of the electoral campaign that we now have to think that it was just mm. in, in in, in, in Rwanda. I think that there are certain things which we need to look at within the framework of the law, and I think that more closely is what the judges have done mm-hmm. before actually starting this ruling. Okay, let me take that back to you, Victor. What are your thoughts? Because you're getting two opposition viewpoints, especially mm-hmm. coming from uh, Professor Dominique and Charles Day. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm a South African, so when I comment about Rwanda, mm-hmm. I'll only I'll restrict As my comments. Sure to what I know for sure. sure. And and I would ask everybody to do that. I celebrate Rwanda because of a different reason, not because of Paul Kagame. I believe he's a big part of the story. In fact, in Rwanda, there's a survey that found that he is more popular than the most popular government institution, which is the military. So it tells you something. And as I say, I go to Rwanda a lot. I speak to people, taxi drivers, hotel work, you know. I ask them about these things. I ask them, are you not concerned that your president is going to be in power for too long? And they say, yes. And I agree. I don't want any president coming over and over and over because the risk is people leave office eventually. People die. People get too old to rule. Now what's going to happen? But at the moment, I had Prof talk about him changing the constitution. You know, I wouldn't say he changed the constitution because there was a referendum. Referendum that, and I remember he said, give me 95%, no less, then I'll consider standing. Again, some people might question whether that was democratic. 
But if you go to the villages of Musanze, you go to the villages of Rusizi, and you talk to people, you see them at their Umuganda every Saturday, and you ask them about what they like about their country. They give you something tangible, and that's the part that makes me celebrate the country. My country, South Africa, in the same year, 94, where Rwanda was, has not progressed as much as Rwanda has done. So I celebrate it for that. And I'm not imagining that he's a perfect person or perfect human being. Mm, mm. But I just think I would rather restrict everything I say mm. to that. So I agree with Charles mm. that if, if, if she's acquitted, let's leave it at that. Because we were not in the courts. I don't know the system. Mm. There are many things like the assassination of, of, of uh, the, the gentleman Karega in, mm. in the hotel, mm. attempts at, the, at Faustin's mm. life. So those things are worrying, especially because they're happening in our country. Mm. Again, do we know for sure what happened? Who was behind it? I don't know. Mm. Does Paul Kagame go after people who oppose him? Hey, he is not a Democrat by our definition, not by a long shot. Mm. I don't even think he cares to be called a Democrat, to mm. be honest, mm. just looking at how he does things. Mm. But if you look at what he's been able to deliver without being a Democrat versus what our democracy is able to deliver, I would like to give him credit for what he has delivered. Mm. Is he my ideal president? No, I wouldn't like okay. it. But, but you understand where I'm going? Yeah, I'm sure. saying uh, every institution must be respected for what uh, he's doing. Uh, is he effective as a president? Certainly. Uh, is he perfect? No. The acquittal of Regara, is it something to be celebrated? Yes, because an institution that's not government has come to a decision. Uh, so I would say everything must just be uh, based on the facts we have and sure. what we know for sure, because there will always be, as Charles said, people who are for and people who are against. As long as the statistics on the ground tell a good story, I say let's uphold Rwanda as a good example. Professor Dominic, this is not an easy program because when we even discussed it itself, we were in contention in terms of the creative process because we even called this program um, the Complex Kagame. Looking at all these facts that the other gentlemen are highlighting, yes. what are your thoughts around this viewpoint? Look, uh, I... I do agree with Victor and uh, my other colleague that indeed uh, the economic growth has taken place in the past uh, 20 something years uh, when uh, during Kagame's regime. That is a fact. But uh, we, we have to understand that that economic growth, you have to be a Rwandan, I think, to understand really what Rwandans say in their own hearts, not what they tell you, because they're not necessarily able to criticize the government. If you ask them a question, I agree with you, Victor. You ask them, are you happy with Uganda? Of course, they will clap and say, yes, they are happy. Are you happy with, with President Kagame? Of course, they are happy with Kagame. Who are you to ask that question? What are you going to do with that information? Mm. Uh, do they have uh, the freedom to say that kind of mm. things? Yes, I agree with uh, Paul Kagame. I, I agree with all of you that uh, Kagame has achieved a, a tremendous in, uh, uh, achievement in, in, in terms of imp uh, improving the representation of women as MPs. Rwanda tops the whole world at the moment. Mm. But hey, he's also the only country where women are political prisoners. And we cannot ignore that one. Mm. You understand? Which other country has got women as political prisoners? That is something that we should not really uh, let go. Of course, are independent, quote, independent in the country? Nobody knows. But for sure, if they were independent, then we could have seen the, the other people who were forced to charge, Victor Ingabire. Yeah. Why was, he, why was, why was she jailed? Mm. 
They are independent up yeah. to that level where everybody's opinion uh, stops. Mm. And also, the people who are involved, what do they say about the justice system through which they were subjected to? Mm. I think that's a factor which is missing in all our discussion. Yeah, but let's, let's talk about Victoire Ingabire for a while because she also, among other charges, you know, I don't always follow the detail, but among other charges was genocide denial, mm. which according to the laws of Rwanda is an offense that you can be arrested for. Genocide denial is almost in South African terms equivalent to what people say. Oh, Racism. Racism. Whites suffered just as much under apartheid mm. as blacks. And you can say, well, there's an element of truth in that, but you can't reduce the cruelty of apartheid to something that victimized whites equally as blacks. So if you say the Hutu suffered just as much because there were some Hutu who were killed in the genocide because they had maybe married a Tutsi or harbored the Tutsi, those are facts. But can you refuse that the genocide was calculated to eliminate the Tutsi? No, you can't. So one of the charges, and again, you know, when institutions within a country function, the gacha court system, which has treated a whole lot more cases than any judiciary. Do you think it was just? Well, I don't know. You see, when I say, when you go into a village, people who went through the Gachaja court system and say, we would have still been having a backlog of genocide cases if we had relied only on the courts. The Gachaja system allowed people to come openly, mm-hmm. admit, I killed so-and-so, and the people, those who admit were sentenced, those who will, you know, it's, to me, it's, an, it's a respect. The Umuganda, another thing that yes. I don't think we really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Umuganda is not just about cleaning the streets. Mm-hmm. It's about, yes, cleaning the streets. They say, well, because we had to start by cleaning in 94. We had to clean our country. But they then meet and talk about the issues that affect the Umugdugudu. Umudugudu is like a village, if I may say, which is run by what they call a president. Things that happen in Umudugudu get known almost very quickly and people are able to govern themselves. Are we not conflating the governance um, kind of structures to this political environment? No, but that's the thing. We must conflate them because we talk about Paul Kagame as if he's standing there running Mm. the country by himself. Mm. I'm saying yes, as far as running the executive and running the government, appointing cabinet ministers Mm. and doing a whole lot of things. By Mm. the way, you are in a bank in Rwanda. Mm. People are not ashamed to say, if the service is poor, I'll tell Kagame about how poor Mm. your service is. So he is a big man, no doubt. His Mm. presence is felt everywhere Mm -hmm. and some people are afraid of it. But the Mudugudu president is something we don't talk about. So just as there's what looks like centralization, mm. there's a lot of decentralization. Okay, let's bring Charles that, into that this conversation. I'm sure yeah. he's also listening interestingly okay. where he is. Charles? Yes, thank you very much. I think the point which um, the colleagues have just enunciated right now are really around what are called social cohesion and national healing. these come together in different platforms. Whether it's the, 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 the Uganda the, the, the cleaning campaign, it is not just about cleaning, as, uh, as, as, as the colleague just said. It is about the symbolism, where we come from. We are united to say that we are healing this country. We are moving forward. Never and never shall it happen again. Mm. When someone stands and indicates that no, there was no genocide, that person somehow, even if it is not even enshrined in the codified in the law. There is customary law where the people say that this happens in our country, whoever is responsible, this should never happen. 
it is an affront to the people of Rwanda for someone to come and say, get over it, there was no genocide. I think that's what we are talking about here. Mm-hmm. And the court, they are very careful about such rhetoric, which could actually incite people to rise up against whoever. And I think that's where they want the president, mm-hmm. that's where they want history. Can I make a correction, sir? Mm. Well, okay, let me bring in uh, Professor Dominic, who I think he wants to contrast your thoughts there, Charles. Okay, look, I, my, my understanding is that Victor Ingabire has never denied the, that the genocide took place, and mm. that is on record. I think the question was on remembering the people who died. From, mm. the pe- remember, people did not die in Rwanda. People died from, died from the first day on the 1st of October 1990. Mm. And they continued dying even after 1994 in the DRC Congo. The, the mapping report, the United Nations mapping report is there. So it's not really about uh, saying that uh, uh, Rwanda and people uh, who to, and I'm not defending uh, Hutu people. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that any assumption that the people, the Hutu people who died, they died during the genocide in 1994 because they married uh, Tutsi people. I don't believe millions of people who died in the eastern part of Congo died because they married the Hutu people uh, mm. or, or anything. Mm. And so I, so I, and I also con- don't agree with the fact that Victoria Ngabire has said, she has never said, she has never denied that the genocide took place. I think that one is on record. It's just a matter of you yeah. remembering your own people no, sure. and I'm not t- allowed mm. to, remi- to, re- to remember mine, however mm. they died. Mm. No, no, I, 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 would, I was just using an example about people because the Ten Commandments of the Hutu said, among other things, mm. you may not marry a Tutsi if you are a Hutu, you may not have a Tutsi secretary, you may not have a Tutsi business partner. Mm. So I was just using it as an example mm. that there are many Hutu who died because either they had harbored Tutsi and they were wanted and say, why are you harboring them? Why are you protecting them? And 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 it's just it was just an example. I was not saying that's all mm. she did. And that's why I say I'm one of the charges mm. that that she again I'm very reluctant. Mm, mm. You know, when a charge sheet is read, mm. a charge sheet is read to her. It wasn't just the genocide denial that was on the charge sheet. Mm. I can't give you the other charges okay. again because okay. I don't... Yeah, I, I want to in- intervene now because yeah. I want to go to a break because <laughs> okay. I think we're sticking to different cases, yeah. but they prove how actually complex the situation is. And I keep using the word complex because it is very complicated in terms of um, this uh, great uh, image that is poured on uh, Paul Kagame and Rwanda and contrasting that to uh, these particular issues that we have been uh, talking about. Well, if you're just joining us now, it's being very heated in this particular hour. Professor Dominique Awiziemana joins us today. He's the Associate Professor at the School of Public Management and Public Policy at the University of Johannesburg. On the line joining us is Charles Nyokonge, who is joining us as the Senior Research Fellow at the Institute of global dialogue and in our studios we also have Victor Humuswana who is a political commentator and author of Africa is Open for Business. Let's take a quick break and see if we can find a way of consensus in this very very uh, polarized conversation. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it's one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. 
Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa. The voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Well, just while we're on our break, uh, I just saw this uh, Victor showing me this article on uh, IOL that uh, is headlined, Kagame warns Rwanda's enemies they will be dealt with. And just reading the article by Mel uh, Freiberg, it says, Paul Kagame has warned enemies of Rwanda that they will be dealt with decisively. His warning comes at a time when the East African region is simmering with tension. Kagame issued his warning on Tuesday as he made an appearance at the Rwanda Defense forces drill uh, dubbed exercise hard punch three at Gabira combat training center at the eastern province uh, the east african uh, uh, country has reported uh, so it's very interesting to also read something like that that you've shown me yourself yeah. um, uh, victor and you know what coming to you charles on the line is the fact that you know with this particular case, as much as the courts have made a decision, we're seeing that the Rwandan government prosecutors are saying, wait, we're still going to appeal the high court decision just to show their insistence and how they feel around opposition. Doesn't that show evidence that actually there is some form of uh, uh, outcasting of opposition figures in the country? We do have empirical evidence in this regard, and we can't keep denying it, Charles. Definitely, um, there is, there is, you can find evidence for, 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 for whatever for whatever line of thought you, you, you really want. The fact of the matter is right now, um, Dian Reguila is, is, is acquitted. The process, of course, is going to continue because the prosecutors think that they argued a good case. They think that they have a the right of appeal. Mm. My sense, and I know several Rwandese judges, many of them studied here at Victor University. Um, and they are, they are, my sense is that this prosecution, they are not going to go anywhere with this. Of course, it is good for the rule of law, it is good for democracy, it is good to test the institution. Institutions will definitely be tested. But this case, on this case, which is going to, 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 to get us to appreciate the extent to which the judiciary is, is independent. And perhaps when another case comes, we are not going to doubt okay. the, the, the independence of the judiciary. Sure, we're running out of time. Professor Dominic, your thoughts? I mean, we've got three minutes. I don't think we have actually got to mm. a conclusion. I think we're actually more confused than we were at the beginning. I think the, 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 the way forward, as, as I see it, and from many Rwandan people I speak to and uh, who are not inside the country, therefore have nothing to fear, mm. I think they would like to have a, a strong democratic institutions instead of a, a strong man. Uh, in any any person is safe in a democratic institu- when the democratic institutions 
No, carry okay. on. Carry when, on. when democratic institutions exist, when government institutions are the one running uh, the, uh, the government business instead of one man. And nobody really wants a, 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 a strong one, one man. Now, open up political space. I think that's the biggest issue that the people are really uh, not talking about. They believe that because a strong man is growing the economy, therefore political space should be closed. That's wrong. Mm. We, uh, I don't think that is, that is correct. Obviously, stop messing up with neighbors. Do you understand that they, okay, you want neighbors, but then you are 2,000 kilometers from uh, this, uh, the ocean. Mm. You have to go through those countries. How do you expect them to allow your cargo to go through their countries after you have messed up with them? I think that's the kind of things that uh, my colleagues are really not are, are missing at the moment. Final sentiments, Victor? Let's celebrate case by case what Rwanda is able to do because I'm sure it's not a perfect country. Let's but celebrate. let's also be critical. Yeah, yeah sure. You just <laughs> read that article to me. Victor. No, no, sure. Look, again, I like all the facts. I suspect here he was referring to the president of Burundi, just as an aside, because president of Burundi has been accusing him of harboring or sure. supporting people's attempts to overthrow him. Again, president of, of Burundi, what is he talking about you know so i'm saying i would rather but that take language from uh, no sure figures also unacceptable hey he's a military man there we go there's the he's complexity. a military there man we go. you know what he's not want to speak the language of and by the way i always say to people who comment about rwanda right Running that country is more complex than we give President Kagame credit for. Okay, so explain that one to me quickly. You are a landlocked country. You manage, You said it yourself. Correct. You are reeling under the after effects of a genocide that nearly wiped out a huge chunk of your population. You are still facing a lot of onslaught from all the countries that surround you. Because much as he is accused of supporting rebels in the DRC, there are people come threat. So running a small country... Under the circumstances that he did, with the risk of recidivism to genocide, is not as easy as that. Especially mm -hmm. if you are a poor country, which doesn't have much money. And I think he has done well. The 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 Agachiro, the all the attempts that he has put together, do not excuse him if he's seen not to be a democrat. But I know that democracy is also not the glorious solution mm -hmm. to all the problems we have. Okay, let's so, let's wrap it let, up. Let's just. Okay. Yeah. You want to say something, Professor? In thirty seconds. In that second, I would really commend Paul Kagame for the growth of the GDP, not development, because there is high, there are high levels of poverty in the country, and I don't agree with the fact that my colleagues are saying, okay, they need a strong man in order to run a complex country such as Rwanda. Mm -hmm. Democracy can you can be a democratic leader and still achieve what Kagame has achieved. Mm -hmm. Well, let's wrap it up there as we have highlighted when we started the program. This was a program really to unpack the various viewpoints around Kagame and his complex complexity.